House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Hi everybody, welcome to the House of Mystery and the paranormal segment of the show. I'm thrilled today to be um, able to talk to, who is fast becoming an old friend, John D'Souza. This is the second time that um, we've had the pleasure of um, having a conversation about John's life and his experiences. And you know, probably over a year has gone since our last um, discussion. Lives change, things move on. We experience different things. So just to recap, for those people who aren't aware of John, John has an exceptional history in the FBI as an investigator, working with anti-terrorism, violent crime. But then events happened around 9-11 that really made John rethink and start to explore his own understanding of the paranormal. And John, I was, I don't think I'd, I talked about this with you last time we spoke. Yes. Because you were interviewing the Indigo children who had had experiences leading up to 9-11. Yes, absolutely, Julie. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's great to be on here with you again. And yes, I am, I'm John D'Souza. I was a special agent of the FBI for over 25 years. Uh, during that time, I worked uh, some uh, high-profile terrorism cases, violent crime cases as well. And yeah, when 9-11 uh, rolled around, uh, we had a tremendous, in law enforcement, we had a tremendous experience of what I call the indigo kids of 9-11. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they were uh, little kids uh, as young as, geez, as young as uh, like four or five years old, uh, going all the way up to 12. Dozens and dozens of cases of these kids across the uh, states, across uh, the United States, uh, who were called in. Uh, after 9-11 happened, uh, who were called in as having information about the events of 9-11 uh, before it happened. And they were called in, uh, called into these uh, intelligence centers where people were told, call in anything that seemed suspicious at all. And they were uh, called, these kids were called in. An example, uh, we had a, a little girl who was just playing on a playground, and she was just... Uh, by herself, just playing uh, during recess, and teacher comes up to her and says, are you okay? You're not playing with the other kids? And she said, no, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, and she's tracing designs in the dirt, and then the teacher goes to walk away, figures she's fine, and the little girl tugs on her skirt violently and says, tomorrow, stay away from tall buildings. Uh, tall buildings sometimes fall down and they fall on people. And then the next day, 9-11 happened in the States. Uh, had another little boy uh, who was uh, finger painting in in class, uh, very young child. He was finger painting in class. Uh, he was uh, drawing these beautiful structures, and this uh, teacher's assistant comes up to him and says, "Wow, these buildings, these are beautiful. Uh, you have these two tall buildings that you that you drew, and there's angels flying out of these buildings with red wings, and." The little boy says, uh, when she says, these buildings are glowing. It's beautiful how they're glowing. And he says, the little boy says, these buildings aren't glowing. These buildings are on fire. And those aren't angels with red wings. Those are 
people who are jumping out of the buildings and they're on fire as well. And, you know, a teacher walks away from a kid like that and just doesn't think about it again until, and then 9-11 happens. And then she reports that in. So we had dozens and dozens of those cases that occurred uh, that happened that um, just were amazing. And they all had to be investigated by FBI agents, police officers, all these task forces that work together in these intel centers. And we had to respond to these cases and we had to talk to these poor little kids, some of them sometimes who barely even remember the experiences at the time. But there were numerous, numerous of these cases, and every one of them had to be investigated and had to be uh, spoken to. And in every every single case came back, uh, the families had to be looked into, and there was no connection to terrorism found. In other words, it wasn't like these kids overheard some adults planning 9-11 or anything like that. Uh, that was all looked into, and these these families were found to have no connection whatsoever. So, in other words, the paranormal explanation of their experiences was the only explanation left. And subsequent um, to that experience, I mean, the FBI clearly must have um, been quite taken aback by the sheer volume of, of those children needing to be interviewed and having these almost premonitions. So... Now, is there anywhere the FBI can late information prior to an event? So if children are, are um, or I suppose those children in particular, are still drawing things that, and saying, um, explaining things in such a way. I mean, most children do not draw buildings with people jumping out of them and on fire. Right. So is there a way of collating this information prior to an event and analysing it? Prior to an event? Well, not with... Not with the FBI. The FBI does not have a separate sort of division or unit uh, to uh, look into these things or to separate cases that have paranormal impact or implications to them. Uh, and if people want to see what I'm talking about, they can just they can easily just go to a website called um, that is uh, FBI dot Oh, sorry, vault, the word vault.fbi.gov. And uh, just go to vault.fbi.gov, and you just go there, and you just click on a place uh, on the right where it says unexplained phenomena. And then you'll see opened up all the different uh, categories of paranormal uh, investigations that have happened over the years in the last geez going back 40 years this is the website that has all the declassified uh, cases investigated in the FBI and there are categories under explaining unexplained phenomena that shows cattle mutilation cases uh, that have been investigated by the FBI across Montana Utah Wyoming across uh, many of, of the uh, states um, also there's sections under unexplained phenomena for ufo ufo investigations and there's numerous numerous under that category there's numerous investigations and also there's oh there's entire jfk section of course there's jfk assassination section in there and many people have been on this site and have have looked you don't need a middleman you can just go directly but what this site shows 
is what I'm telling you now, that that paranormal, there's no separate unit or section for paranormal paranormal investigations. Mm -hmm. They're just handled in the broad general sense as regular investigations. And if you start looking at these investigations under these under ex unexplained phenomena, uh, on the right-hand column that you'll see in that, in that site, uh, you'll see that uh, they're handled as purely material, physical investigations. Uh, for instance, the cattle mutilation cases, uh, even the UFO cases, uh, they're handled as regular material cases, and they're run out to the end until the material data runs out. And usually on a lot of these cases, uh, they end up undetermined, undetermined status at the end of it all because the FBI officially can't go beyond the material conclusions. They can't, they're a criminal organization, um, and they can't go beyond that last step into being, you know, power investigator. They can't go beyond that. Uh, and that's, that's the reason why I made, that's the reason why I put together a lot of these cases uh, in my book uh, when, I, when I left the FBI, uh, the para investigators. And that's why I had to collect these, these information. So basically to uh, collect, to put together these investigations, I'm it. I'm the one who collects these cases and puts them together and, and shows them to people, like I did in my book, The Power Investigators. And from from the um, pri sorry prior to the uh, nine eleven and that experience that you had, were you interested in paranormal or extraterrestrial life before that, or was it something that kind of that event triggered? Your oh no, no, no. Yeah, the um, yeah, the opposite is true because I was I had involvement in the paranormal and uh, uh, extraterrestrial type type uh, investigation, even before before I was an FBI agent. As a matter of fact, uh, some of my experiences uh, as a child and through my teen years are one major reason why I decided to become a professional investigator uh, in order to pursue a lot of these paranormal themes that came up with me uh, when I was younger. This, I think, uh, I think uh, last time I was on your show, as a matter of fact, this is uh, something that is recounted uh, in my in my book the extra dimensionals uh, I uh, when I was about I was about uh, 10 years old uh, when my parents brought me to a place uh, brought me to a party in New York City uh, where I was at a party with hundreds of people in a certain neighborhood and we were and me and a bunch of other little kids who didn't want to be in the party anymore uh, we kind of started playing with each other and playing, and uh, we spilled out into the night. It was about one in the morning, and it was in New York City, and it was in a, in a neighborhood with some tall buildings, and we went out playing in the streets, which were deserted at that time, and I ended up uh, by myself between out between two tallest, tallest buildings I've seen to that time. And I looked up, and the whole, it was a very starry night, very beautiful starry night, and it was one spot above my head that was completely black. It was very dark, uh, inky black dark, and I kept looking at that spot, and it was a cloud, like a cloud, like the type of a squid would give off in the water of just when you're trying to grab it. 
and it was just a dark cloud of inky black. And from the bottom of that cloud started coming out some spotlights. And I kept looking at that uh, cloud, and it was it was a, a flying saucer. It was an old-fashioned UFO just coming down towards me with spinning lights in the bottom and appeared metallic, sort of. I mean, it looked that way. And it was coming down towards me. And I felt that spotlight go through me, that blue-green spotlight that I've spoken to many witnesses have felt that spotlight. And it feels like it just is just going through you, examining everything in you. And I just looked up at it. And then two girls appeared on my left uh, who started, who were screaming, teenage girls, who were looking at the same thing I was. And they were screaming and going crazy. And they... One of them yelled at me, little boy, you better run home. The world might be ending. And then they disappeared, and I took a step back out of the spotlight, and the thing, the uh, the vehicle, the thing, the UFO, uh, reversed course at the same moment and just started going right back up into that dark cloud, and it just started just taking off and disappeared, and it disappeared, and the cloud was gone too. And I ran back to the hall, to the uh, hall where they were having the party, and I ran back to my parents and told them what happened and my mom told me you can't talk about those things in front of people so we, I had to wait till we got home and uh, told them everything that occurred and it wasn't received very well but that was my that was my first experience at think about the age of 10 and, uh, and that was uh, my first experience at that age and that continued that basically started my my interest in the paranormal and in extraterrestrials as well. And the definition of paranormal is, is just, as it sounds, it's something outside of the realms of what we believe to be normal. And it doesn't cover any particular um, genre of, um, of, sort of extraterrestrial or spiritual um, presences or... Um, poltergeist activity it doesn't cover any one aspect so what, what are your beliefs john in, in particular around the presence of spirits or extraterrestrials well you know because of um, how much i've researched and i've looked into these cases and the witnesses the witnesses i've talked to uh, the witnesses i've spoken to over the years i basically have come to a complete belief that all persistent areas of the paranormal uh, that have that have really lasted in the consciousness of people over the years are basically truthful, serious nonfiction. I, I believe that ghosts, uh, cryptids, spirits, alien visitors, and any phenomena that persists in the mind of man has basically its roots in truth. Um, you know, and that's because human consciousness wouldn't keep pushing these things forward uh, if there wasn't something rooted in truth. And that's been my experience as I, as I investigate these things and as I go through drilling down, because all I am is an investigator and all I can do is, and I don't have a dog in this fight. You know, I, I just, all I can do is go with what the evidence shows and the clues and the patterns and the modus operandi and where it sends me, where it takes me. And it's something, it's different from scientists though. Scientists have to follow the data, the material data 
to uh, until it runs out. And once the material data runs out, they, they can't go any further. Investigators are different. Uh, we follow the clues. Follow the clues and follow uh, the uh, what happens in the minds of people. And that very often goes beyond the material. It takes us to places that can be very improbable and very unbelievable, but we have to be ready when we get there to examine those and to take them as serious, truthful nonfiction, basically. And of course, so many um, paranormal investigators, and I, I use the term loosely, um, will go seeking activity, whether that be um, ghostly activity, spirit, um, or whether it be um, extraterrestrial, and they'll go out looking and hunting and having these overnight investigations in places where maybe there never has been any reported activity. But as you were saying, a good paranormal investigator, a good investigator, they go out and they, they investigate somebody else's experience. So somebody has felt that, they've lived and breathed that experience, and no matter how they've interpreted it, they have, they have experienced it at a particular time, on a particular day, and so you go back and you investigate that at a similar time, similar day, etc., rather than people who just go out willy-nilly overnight um, and just call out for random things to happen. Absolutely. You've got to follow, you've got to, as, as investigators, you've got to follow the clues, match up the patterns. You've got to look and develop the modus operandi. What's happening? How do these things, the same way that you would investigate a criminal, a criminal or, or a potential criminal, you have to develop that profile. You have to, even if what you're looking at is ghosts, uh, or alien visitors, you have to treat it like they're perpetrators. And then you have to build that modus operandi. Why do they act the way they do? Are they, are, is there a perpetrator here or not? And there's such, there's so much that goes into this with experienced investigators as far as building up that profile, building up that, uh, that personality profile to what, to what is involved with these, with these phenomena. And whether there, whether there is a phenomena there or not, you know, very often you have a, you have a body, you have a body, well, in criminal investigations, you have a body that's dead and that's been obviously murdered, but now you've got to find who is the culprit, where is the culprit, and what is our reason for believing that culprit is the person? Well, finding out whether Bigfoot is real or not, or whether ghosts are really there, is very similar. It's very similar in terms of uh, in terms of temperament and how you approach that whole thing, and it's something that people need to really, really get away from the um, scientific approach, which doesn't really doesn't tell you anything in the paranormal. It only tells you what exists in the, in the material world, and only real investigation can get beyond that. If you had to go back and think about one experience or case that you've investigated of um, alien visitation that told you quite clearly this has got to be true, this has got to happen, this has got to be, um, and there is a, definitely another layer of, of life form out there, mm. what case would it be? Oh, that that's easy. I 
I'd have to narrow narrow it down to three cases actually, uh, and these are the three cases that I always present in my presentations whenever I travel all over the country and and give conferences to people. These are the three cases that I happen to know personally are absolutely authentic extraterrestrial cases uh, of UFO visitation. And that's why I present them very, and I, I dissect them very carefully in my book, The Extra Dimensionals. And I talk to these, I talk to people about these cases wherever I go, especially because they're available on, on, uh, on video. Anyone can see them and, and millions of people actually have seen them. Uh, but unless you know the background behind why they are authentic, it really, you can't really appreciate it, un- appreciate those cases. So I would, I don't know if we, are we up against the break or no? You carry on, you carry on. Okay, okay. Um, the, and the three cases are, and I'll tell them in chronological, I'll tell them in chronological order. Uh, these are cases that I personally know through documentation, through government contacts, through different things in my, in my own history. I know these are cases are absolutely authentic. And anyone can look them up. Uh, and um, it is, number one is the 1996 Tether Incident. Anyone can Google the tether incident, and there are there are many videos uh, available that people can go look at and see this. The 1996 tether incident is and is basically when uh, NASA had the previous policy of just uh, having open server, and uh, you know I, I always tell people also just to, to Google uh, NASA cuts the live feed. And you'll come up with dozens of cases, dozens of videos of NASA cutting the live feed of their satellites. And, of course, they, they manage satellites in the upper atmosphere of the Earth and many satellites. And they NASA has a standing order that whenever an unknown UFO comes into view of these satellites that are, that are showing that they don't know anything about an unknown UFO, they will cut the live feed of course, so that people can't see it. That's that's part of their job, and they do it very well. Uh, but the 1996 tether incident was one when they didn't cut the live feed quickly enough. And we had a, uh, there was, uh, the ISS was out in space. It's a massive satellite uh, platform, and it had put out as an experiment, put out a cable, a cable directly out into space that, that, uh, was the cable snapped and it was supposed to be a loop, but instead it snapped loose and it went directly out into space it's for six miles. Six miles. It was sticking out straight into space and it was acting as an antenna, giving off both electrical and magnetic energy put together. It was an experiment. It was an experiment. And it Apparently, it acted as some kind of a distress signal because suddenly dozens and dozens of UFO vehicles appeared from all corners of space there and came over to see what was going on with this antenna. And some of them were massive in size. And the video is available. Anyone can see it. Anyone can see it. NASA tried to debunk their own, their own uh, video, of course. Uh, they tried to say it was the best they could do is say it was ice crystals. That was it. That was. But you could clearly anyone can look these up at any moment 
and you can clearly see UFOs that are, some of them appear to be about a mile in diameter. They're huge, but many are smaller and just zooming and coming through. Some of them are slowing down. Some of them are changing direction, but there's dozens of them, and they are all coming over to see what is happening with this antenna. And some of them, many of them, are giving off energy signals. You can clearly see them giving off energy pulses in front, not in back, but in front. In other words, it's not propulsion. It's some kind of scanner that is going on with all of them where they are scanning the area. And they, and so to say that uh, NASA's attempt to debunk by saying it was these were all ice crystals was, was ridiculous. But people need to see this video for themselves, and they will know. They'll know exactly what these things are. So that's that's the first incident that I know for certain is absolutely authentic and is a non-terrestrial UFOs. Uh, and I, I know that for a fact. And that was the 1996 Tether incident. And I encourage people to look that up, of course, on their own. The, the second one is the uh, Turkey UFO. The Turkey UFO, the country of Turkey, uh, UFO uh, of 2008. 2008. Also, it's called the. Uh, it's also called the. And anyone can Google these and, and watch many videos that are that are available out there uh, on this, and uh, on of course on YouTube. And it's also called the visible occupants UFO, the visible. And there's a reason for that because it's the it's the only UFO case. And and people know these cases. What they don't know about, and people know these cases, so millions of people have looked at these videos, but what they don't know is that these cases are absolutely authentic. Uh, because, of course, there is an apparatus set up to debunk these, these cases and these videos. And that apparatus is very efficient because it, it involves the mainstream media, it involves uh, these squads that create uh, fakes that uh, replace the, the authentic videos temporarily and uh, there's a whole that's a whole nother uh, topic but anyway the uh, the I encourage everyone to Google the uh, Turkey UFO uh, 2008 also the visible occupants UFO because that is a, a video that has been certified as authentic by every scientific board in the country of Turkey and has and is basically just a security guard who filmed out in out in sky, uh, this this UFO that was it's very far away, but you can tell that it's real. And the UFO for some reason has two has a there's like a plexiglass bubble in the middle, and it's clear, and you can clearly see two what appears to be grays appears to be grays standing in the in the clear plexiglass part uh, in the middle and that's just i mean that's the best way i can describe it but that's what they that's what it looks like and it's the first time most people have seen actual grays that gray beings that are standing in the middle of this of this ufo and that's the second case that i absolutely know is authentic that people can see for themselves and they'll also see of course they'll also see the fate uh, videos because that's part of what is done to try to debunk these these cases, uh, and the and the third one that I would encourage people to also look up, which I know is absolutely authentic, is the two, 2011 Dome of the Rock UFO. 
Dome of the Rock UFO. Anyone can Google that, and you can see numerous videos uh, of that of that incident. And it is when uh, it is in 2011 in January when a uh, a plasma UFO came down came down in the night sky. It was about one o'clock in the morning in Jerusalem, Israel, and this uh, plasma UFO filled with light just came down directly over a uh, Islamic holy site, uh, the Dome of the Rock, and it's also it's also a, a, a Jewish holy site as well. And it came down directly over there. It hang, hung, hovered directly over the Dome of the Rock for about uh, 30 seconds. And then, almost as if it was delivering something. And then it just, it gave off an energy flash, an energy signal that covered all of Jerusalem, just like that. And then just went straight up into the night sky and disappeared at a, at a speed that is not, is not uh, humanly possible and it just took off and disappeared and that was the 2011 Dome of the Rock UFO that people should should just look up as the videos are available on YouTube however let me say on each of these cases there is a procedure that is followed uh, by the uh, elite powers in control the uh, the puppet masters who are uh, are very anxious to cover up any true incidents of the paranormal. And what they do is they have these standing squads that look up these any real incidents of the paranormal or of UFOs, then they and they will take down the originals temporarily because this is viral. Um, they take down the originals, uh, the real videos, and then they load up fakes, fake mm -hmm. copies, uh, for so that when millions of people, because millions of people heard about this, people even in the mainstream heard about this, and you have millions of people in 2011 in January, millions of people found out about the Dome of the Rock UFO and rushed to YouTube to go see the videos. Well, they didn't get to see the real videos, which were taken down. Uh, what they got to see were were the and this has happened in every one of these instances and what they got to see were these fakes uh that were created sometimes with hollywood level uh, level quality and the fakes were created but with with uh traces of cgi and photoshop and bad bad fakes on purpose purposely and they were created and loaded up there so that when these millions of people all rush to go see Dome of the Rock UFO, Dome of the Rock UFO, they'll be confronted with these fakes. And then they will say, they will say, and also at the same time, the Huffington Post and New York Times are all sent to go look at the fakes that were loaded there during this crucial period, this crucial period, this about 48 hours after the incident. And they will go look and then they will write articles pronouncing that these, this was fake, it never happened. Oh, look at the CGI, look at the Photoshop, these are terrible fakes, uh, this incident never happened. Okay. Then all the millions of people see those articles, and they also see the fakes, and then they conclude, they all conclude, and many people remember this, that the, uh, that the 2011 Dome of the Rock UFO was a fake. It was absolutely not true at all, and a poor fake at that. Uh, then the uh, awakening is averted, and everyone forgets about it. Well, of course, because it's viral, the original, the real videos, get loaded back up because it's viral. 
And so the elite powers in control can't stop that from happening. But it doesn't matter. And, and as a matter of fact, the real videos are up there right now. Anyone can go see them, and they are available. But that crucial period was avoided, the crucial period of awakening, like right after it happened. And that's their real purpose. That's all they want. They, they don't uh, care if people who are already awakened, like us and like your audience, Julie, if they see if they see the real videos now, they don't care because we're in that little minority of awakened people. What the elite powers in control care about is interference with the mainstream. There, those millions, millions, millions of people that are don't know if the paranormal is real or not, but you know they'll check out something just to see if it's if it has any validity to it, and that's the period when they need to avoid avoid people seeing the real stuff. And they did, and they did, not just in this case, but in each one of these cases, the Turkey UFO 20, uh, uh, 2008 case uh, has numerous fakes that were loaded up there right after it happened, uh, and the originals were taken down. Uh, and the, the Tether incident had a mass, had a huge campaign from NASA and, and mainstream uh, news to uh, debunk it. Being, uh, being authentic UFOs. And this will always happen. This will always happen because the paranormal and ufology is a, an area that the elite powers in control are desperate, desperate to cover up. They are desperate to avoid any kind of possible awakening that could happen as a result of this area. So if you, this is very X-Filesy, and I know you're known to be the kind of the, the real Fox Mulder, but when we're thinking about this whole um, conspiracy and, and what what is real and what isn't real, we have that situation where we have the extraterrestrial or the paranormal, then we have the, the bodies that try to dismiss and, and de debunk those theories or that, that reality. How do we know that it's not actually the extraterrestrials, the, the beings that are more in control and they are... Now we're staging all of that. Oh, it is. It is absolutely them. Uh, because here's how it happens. We have the uh, we have the uh, puppet masters of humanity that I call the elite powers in control. Uh, they're not in control of us. Uh, they're in control of their own institutions. They're global institutions. But they are, you know, and I don't like to say I don't like to say deep state or use other people's phrases, but. I call them the elite powers in control, and they are working together with a segment of alien visitors who are the uh, and and this is stuff I have gathered from other people in the in the intelligence community that are a lot more experienced than I am, and these these elite powers in control they work together with a segment of malevolent alien visitors, and what first told me that was the actual reality of Roswell, what happened at Roswell, uh, New Mexico, where we had in 1947, I believe it was 1947, the uh, alien, the, the very carefully composed uh, disinfo oper psychological operation of Roswell, where we had this, uh, this supposed alien vehicle and alien technology that was crashed on the ground and supposedly a couple of alien bodies that were retrieved from that from that uh, incident and as I as I tell 
in my book, The Extra Dimensionals, the, uh, a real careful investigation of that incident shows that this was a psychological operation composed by, with help from alien visitors and the elite powers in control that, that give the nations their marching orders every day. And what they did was they put together some alien, from real alien tech and some materials, and then they put together some kind of hybrid bodies uh, that were put into there. And part of, and there were many purposes to this operation, this psychological operation, uh, because it wasn't really aliens in there. It was some kind of hybrid bodies, and it wasn't really an alien ship, but it was made to look that way. And here's the interest that the alien visitors had in doing that. And it's a segment of the alien, this malevolent alien visitors that were involved in this. The reason is they want people to think that alien visitors are physical, just like human beings. They want, that's a very important agenda item for them because it goes into alien imminency. It goes into a lot of important agendas that they care about. They don't want people to think that alien visitors are not physical, as I reveal in, in my book, uh, The Extra Dimensionals. Uh, alien visitors are actually not physical. They are from other dimensions. They can, they can apparently change their vibration to be here sometimes physically for short periods. But that's something that's very, uh, that's very temporary. And they have to go back to their own dimensions of reality. However, they want us to, and that's why Roswell happened, they want us to think that they are physical, that they could be here, they could show up on the White House lawn at any moment, set up camp, and they could just be here forever. And they can't. That's one of the things that they are very much interested in hiding and keeping people from knowing, because then it leads to other revelations about them that they would rather keep um, under wraps. And that's that's my that's my investigative that's one of my investigative conclusions from everything that happened at Roswell concerning uh, extra dimensionals. So what's the ultimate goal? If if extra dimensionals are in control of everything that we do and they're manipulating world events, what what's their bigger purpose? Oh, that's that's the ultimate question. Their bigger purpose is what it's always been. Even people who disagree on the nature of alien visitors uh, tend to agree on this one point. Uh, their ultimate purpose is connection to human souls. And, and what's funny about that is that that applies whether you're talking about, and there's really only two groups of alien visitors that matter, malevolent alien visitors who seek to harm us, seek to subjugate us, uh, seek to do bad things to us, and benevolent alien visitors, the good ones that come here, help us, serve us, heal people's diseases, cure us, and do, do great things for us. And yet both groups all seek connection to human beings on a, on a very on a spiritual level. That's what they seek. That's very important to them. And it's, it's what they've always wanted. It's what they always seek out. Uh, and again, like I said, there's, there's both groups. There's the malevolent alien visitors and there's benevolent ones, the good ones. 
And if you want to see the malevolent ones, just go on, uh, you can just go on YouTube and look at any of the interviews with uh, Betty and Barney Hill. Those are malevolent alien visitors who are doing great harm to people and those with alien abductions and with the uh, everything that surrounds alien abductions. And you can see those interviews. They're, they're still available. They're in black and white. Uh, Betty and Barney Hill talking about their experiences, especially the ones that show after they underwent hypnosis and revealed a lot uh, more of the details. And these are people who are absolutely authentic in their testimony. You can see it. You can hear it when you listen to them and you hear their, them talking about what happened to them. Not, they never were seeking fame. They were never seeking anything, uh, but they told their story once they were forced to, uh, and they and you can tell that they're telling the truth. You can tell that they're absolutely authentic. And those are the, mo the malevolent alien visitors, the ones that are not are doing harm to people. But I've also talked to witnesses uh, that are that have experience, experiences with benevolent alien visitors who come to them, help them, uplift them, and again, cure, cure diseases, conditions that they had, and make them better people. And, you know, you have to know them by their fruits so that you can know that uh, these are the two types of alien visitors that really matter, and they're the only two types that matter. So we have to figure out how to how to avoid contact with the malevolent alien visitors and how to reach out to the benevolent ones. In terms of um, that kind of greater control, do you believe that, that aliens or extraterrestrials, whatever we want to call them, are responsible for our terrorist attacks or you know, just their day-to-day -day living? I mean, how much control do they really have? They have control over what they want to have control over. For instance, uh, through the elite powers in control, for instance, they have, uh, and it has nothing to do with our day-to-day -day living, or, uh, uh, and what it has, what control that they have is that since 1947, there has been a worldwide order that applies to the British government, applies to the United States government, and applies to all the national governments. And that worldwide order is you shall you shall not allow to be revealed anything true or authentic about UFOs or alien visitors. And that has been a world, worldwide order uh, that has been in effect since 1947, and it has been obeyed basically because the national governments they follow orders too and they they do what they're told and if anybody doesn't uh doesn't know what i'm talking about all you got to do is google nasa cuts the live feed and you'll see dozens of examples of people who don't have to wait for a new order they they know what to do they cut the live feed as soon as that uh that unknown ufo shows up in the satellite feed and what's funny about that is all the other space agencies do the same thing. European Space Agency, the Japanese, the Indian, uh, as soon as an unknown, uh, and you can Google that too, and, uh, ESA, European Space Agency, cuts the live feed and it's out there uh, because there are people who sit there and record these things and then they get out there virally and you can't, can't they won't go away no matter what uh, the 
ESA does. So this is a worldwide order. We also saw it at we also saw it at Rendlesham Forest uh, when we had an American military base on British soil that was invaded in 1980, invaded by numerous UFOs that came. They shut down. They shut down uh, supposedly. They shut down nuclear uh, missiles, and they also invaded the entire the entire base. Uh, these terrified soldiers that were confronted with these these uh, UFOs at night. Uh, it was an incredible experience, and yet the United States and the British government immediately began the cover up of everything that happened, including uh, even even threatening the uh, colonel in charge of the base uh, and, and threatening all the all of the uh, soldiers that were involved. That's because no one has to wait to be. They already have the order. The British government, the United States government, they already have the order that they must do everything possible to cover up any real, anything authentic about UFOs and alien visitors. They don't have to wait for additional orders. They already know that cover-up is always, is always immediate, and no further, uh, no further that, orders have to be given. Is that because they just want to withhold the truth because of the consequences, or is it because that's being controlled by alien life form in in the way that we learn about them. Ah, wow, you're you're a good uh, you're a good lawyer. Yes, that's the next natural question. Uh, the reason the reason for that worldwide order that has been in effect since 1947 that for for the governments not to allow anything real to be disclosed about uh, about alien visitors or UFOs. The reason for that order is because Alien visitors, well, segments of alien visitors, want to be the only ones to reveal themselves when the time comes. They don't want any other middlemen involved. They don't want any other details of themselves to be revealed before then, before that crucial time, because because disclosure by governments is not a real thing. Governments don't have... Uh, don't have the real plan. They don't have the real agenda of alien visitors. They don't have the, anything that can really be disclosed. Uh, they have mountains of data. They have lots of data about uh, UFOs and alien visitors, but they don't have the central thing that shows what they are, who they are, and what their purpose is. No one has that. That's why disclosure movement is is it's not real. It's not something that will ever happen. Uh, but what is going to happen is what the alien visitors are planning, uh, because from everything I've seen, from every investigation I've done, it all comes back to the same same central conclusion, which is that alien visitors are going to do revelation of themselves directly to us, and it won't go through the governments. It will go directly to us, people who are open to that sort of revelation, and that is what they're planning. That is why they have always had this this order in effect. That is why they don't want any middlemen or any government uh, people getting involved in revealing anything about them because they are going to do revelation themselves directly and they don't want any interference with that. That's the only conclusion I keep coming back to over and over again, no matter how many of these investigations I do. That's the only visible purpose that I can see behind them 
making sure that they hold back this information. And I think because of where we are, I think we're getting to that point very soon where revelation, not disclosure, but revelation will happen and will involve all of us, Julie. Because, of course, as we're seeing um, or hearing accounts from alien abductees about um, information gathering or how they see their experiences being information gathering from alien life form, from um, the sightings of UFOs, you would think that an intelligent life form would do everything they could not to put themselves out there, for want a better phrase, um, and have that, give those people those experiences so that they, uh, that they could use it as evidence of existence. Yes, soon? yes, you're right. Uh, but, but alien abductions of people is a, it's, it's almost like a separate issue because what it appears what alien visitors are trying to do with the abductions and a lot of these contact experiences also is they're trying to set up a narrative one of these one of these many little narratives that they're that they want to set up uh before revelation happens and you know and, and alien uh, abduction is perfect is a perfect case of them going through this theater where they stalk people, they go after people, they uh, take people to this, uh, they transport people to this sort of, sort of like a laboratory uh, setting. They take over uh, their their ability to resist. They it's uh, like a hypnosis sort of situation, and they then go, make them go through these horrific experiments and so forth. And it's, the whole thing is kind of contrived. Uh, alien abductions, and again, I. I go through this very carefully in my book, The Extra Dimensionals, uh, as to why alien abductions are a theater. They're real. They're real alien visitors doing it to people, uh, like what happened in Betty and Barney Hill, Travis Walton, to many others. Uh, but, um, but they're unnecessary. They are a theater. And the reason is because the level of technology alien visitors have, they could very easily, they have the ability to manipulate, from what we've seen and from what has been proven, they apparently have the ability to stop time and manipulate time and space. So they don't have to go, they don't have the need to go through this abduction experience. They could just, they could just stop time, collect all the samples that they want from people and disappear. And people wouldn't even know they were there. But they don't do that. They go through this elaborate sort of stalking, targeting, uh, acquiring the person. Uh, going through these these messages with them, you know, uh, relax. Uh, uh, we're these are peaceful purposes. We're here for uh, you. Are special. They go through these this whole kind of theater, and the reason is because they're setting up a narrative. They're setting up a narrative that will be used later in far greater volume. That's the that's the investigative conclusion I came to after studying so many of these these authentic. Uh, uh, abduction cases. Wow, so interesting. Talk and talk. Over the past um, years, in your experiences working as an investigator, you've now written three books. Tell us about your books and how they follow each other. So, can can we go and we pick up the last book, Clear Hearers, and understand it, or do we need to read all three? Oh well. Uh... Well, yeah, my uh, 
the uh, main book I uh, was talking about uh, today is The Extra Dimensionals. It's basically everything that I have learned uh, concerning the authentic cases of alien abduction, alien contact, and what alien visitor agendas really are at the bottom of everything. And uh, that's something I encourage people to, to learn about. Uh, my latest book is The uh, Clear Hearers. It's, it's really about something completely different. It's actually about a paranormal ability that many people have to, uh, to hear this, uh, this authentic, this clear voice of authority that seeks people's benefit, their safety, and their increase. And it's about, uh, the Clear Heroes is about, it's a story of investigation. It's a story of my family as I was growing up and all these uh, paranormal um, these uh, phenomena that we experienced uh, with the great voice. And it's something that uh, I, I encourage people to just look at the free sample on Amazon of clear hearers. And if they can, if they can resist uh, reading more, I, I, then that, that would be really something because it is something, it's a, about an experience and an ability that many people have. And it's an explanation of how the phenomena works, how it can benefit them, and how it really can save lives. And so it's so, different from mediumship. It's different from having a spirit guide, or it's different yet similar. So it's that's that's the amazing part about it. It covers it covers a wide area of of, um, of experience because it comes uh, clear here is just the English translation of clairaudience. Which, as you know, as you know, clairaudience is actually a French. It's actually a French word uh, that's based on Joan of Arc from 14th century France, the uh, young girl who actually came forward and saved France from going out of existence in 1400s when they were about to be overrun by. They were pretty much overrun by England, and were just about to just about to go out of existence. And a great voice came to Joan of Arc and told her exactly what to do and showed her what she needed to do with imagery and visions and even affecting physical outcomes as well. And that's what the Clear Hearers is about, about the modern, uh, a modern uh, uh, incantation of clear hearing and what it really is in the modern era and how it can help people today. It's quite interesting. When I used to um, go on stage, I used to... Um, ask my guides before I went on to get, give me the ability to think clearly, to hear clearly, to give my views, give their views across clearly. And, and that was all about the clairvoyance, clairaudience and, and clairtransience um, that I needed to be able to do my stage event. So it's, it's, it's interesting how I would be asking for clear hearing, and that's the name of your book hearing yes just check it out and just just read the free sample on Amazon uh, that's it's also available in all book retailers uh, through them and uh, on my website as well of course uh, John books.com and uh, yeah I just if you just look at the free sample I think you'll see amazingly common experiences in there Julie Thank you, John. Thank you so much for taking the time out to um, speak with me this evening. It's been uh, really insightful. I always love speaking to you because I think you, you've got had such a journey 
to get to where you are now and to formulate the views that you have and you know hours and hours of research uh, and it's been, it's just been incredibly informative so thank you very very much oh thank you julie it's my pleasure always being with you thank you so much it's awesome thank you to find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.